Welcome to another Consider This. Today we are in the studio with Ryan Vincent in our adult discipleship and uh, Justin Ebert, who is working with our youth. And uh, also, when everything should be something in discipleship uh, for the glory of the Lord. Uh, that's what all of our categories are here. So, But today we're specifically uh, kind of bringing up um, what's going on with our new sermon series that we're going to be starting on Sunday. Uh, the title of the series is uh, The Gospel of Kings and Prophets, and uh, it fits into the larger context of what we have been doing in the past, which is going back and um, seeing the great stories of the Old Testament, um, and we've done it by section. So we did a series on the Gospel of the, Pro- of the Patriarchs, where we looked at uh, the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and the, basically the Genesis narrative. And said, "Let's let's take a look at, at at who Jesus is and the gospel and how that is described and predicted and prophesied and modeled uh, in the in the in the, the patriarchs' lives." And then uh, after that, we did the gospel of the law and the land. And so, in there, we looked at kind of from Exodus on up through the book of Judges and beginning into First uh, Samuel, looking at um, the, those same issues, but now through that section of of Israel's history. And so now we're in this next phase which is the, the gospel of the kings and prophets. And so now we're looking at, and so here's what we'd like for you to consider. How do we find Jesus? How do we understand Jesus um, in Israel's troubled history? Um, and are we reading into that? So there's lots of things that are going to come up and you know, uh, come to play in this. And uh, I want to begin by asking, I don't know if either of you want to kind of jump onto this. So um, why this series? What, what are some of the reasons why we, we feel this need to preach the idea of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done and the kingdom he has established and the work that he uh, has done and is doing. Where is that in the Old Testament? Why Why are we doing this? Is it just because we like Jesus a lot? So, Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, I think we realize, and I think we do a good job of preaching that Jesus is the culmination of a greater story. Right, that we are part of that story. We're in a certain segment of that, but that Jesus didn't just show up on the scene mm. separate from the rest of Israel's history. That Jesus is the culmination of that history, that everything was leading toward that climax. And this gospel of the kings and prophets is for us to see that Jesus is how we are to interpret those stories. That when we go back and we read the Old Testament, just like the New Testament authors did, we are to read Jesus, not into the text, but read Jesus out of that text because we truly believe he's there. Okay, so that's, I'm going to I'm gonna hit that again because that's the difference between, and here's some great words for you, but exegesis and eisegesis, right? Mm-hmm. And I like how you said that. We're really not reading him into the text. We are recognizing, you know, how he has already been a part of the text. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. Yeah. A couple of things I would add is um, we're, Firmly convinced that, you know, um, one of our tasks here as a ministry team, as an eldership, as just a community of believers is to preach the whole council of scripture. And uh, this particular series, while we won't preach every book, we won't even come close, but we'll cover the scope from 1 Samuel to Malachi. That's an, that is an enormous section in the scriptures. <laughs> and, it, and it's one that we, we have a tendency, you know, left to our own um New Testament Christian devices to to ignore, and there's yeah. a wealth of of wonderful um, information and instruction there that that we need to hear. And I think that uh, reading these parts of the Bible um, actually help us read the four Gospels better. But when we when we talk about you know what is the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is typically where we go first, and yeah. rightfully so. Apex of Scripture, I believe those are the 
the crescendo of the Bible are those four books. Yeah. Um, but how do you understand those four books without the without all these books behind it? And so the Old Testament forms like the image database for the New Testament. Um, you can't so like words like sacrifice, sacrifice, words like atonement. I mean, they find their their roots. Yes, the authors derived the meanings from the Old Testament. That was their understanding. So if we're not wanting to read into it, if we want to read out of it, we need to understand how they were writing. And so we need the Old Testament to do that. And so, you know, our, when we think of like a king, most Americans would think of King George or, you know, soon to be King, king William. He's been decided that we're going to skip Charles Good William. That's kind of our concept of king. That's not the biblical writer's concept of king. Sure. We need to go to 1 Samuel or Genesis, Deuteronomy, as we'll do on Sunday. When you see Jesus, you know, dealing with the temple and rendering it null and void and taking its place, what does that mean in the Gospels? If you don't understand what's going on in the Old Testament, what is, what what functions does the temple um, ex- serve, and and what kind of symbolism comes in with it? So, we read the Old Testament because it's in a robust understanding of the language and the themes of the Old Testament that you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John well. And so, I think it it helps us going in both directions. Statistically, 79% of our Bible is the Old Testament. Um, we find our roots there, and, and, and we talk a lot about being New Testament Christians. And I, I get what they're trying to say, but I had a grad professor who used to say all the time, no, we're actually like Bible Christians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's again, he's, he's not trying to even say it's a level playing field. He would clearly put the ministry and the life of Christ at the apex, but saying, but listen, the apex, we got there somehow. We got to mm-hmm. the top of the mountain by walking up the mountain, and the journey up the mountain has value and purpose to it, and that's kind of what we're wanting to wanting to emphasize. Justin, you haven't been here for um, for the previous two sections that we've actually had, um, so I'm just curious to know, like, what what are some things that you're looking forward to in terms of getting out? And I'm sure you'll preach one of these, but what are some things that you're looking forward to, just as uh, someone who is uh, involved in the discipleship of of young people? Um, what are some things that you're looking forward to seeing this 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 series do? Um, I think. What Ryan was hitting on is something that a lot of young people deal with that I dealt with until I was 21 years old, that I don't know the Old Testament. <laughs> I don't know the stories. And if I don't know the individual stories, it's hard to have a good picture of the greater story that's going on, this meta narrative, this over and above arching story that starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. And when we start talking about how like, there's only 19 chapters of the New Testament that don't have direct Old Testament quotations or allusions. And like that puts in perspective the reality that, no, we have to know this story that binds all of it together. Mm -hmm. And we're going to preach a series this um, fall with the students on identity for one of our pillars in our school of discipleship. And um, kind of the way we're framing it is kind of the story. So we're going to start with the story of God and show how who God is and what he has done um, is comes into culmination in Christ. And we're going to tell that story of Christ, who he is, what he's done, what he's actually said, what he actually did. And that then, only then, informs who we are, what we are, what we do. Um, we say to what, what he said. We do what he did. We are who he says we are and what he created us to be. And so this is going to be able to tie us back to that. That's good. To show like, hey, these Old Testament stories, these kings, these prophets— These are the ones we look to and we see Jesus being alluded to. We see types of Jesus. We see this gospel story, this good news of redemption through Christ, this unifying of all things in heaven and on earth through Jesus 
coming to fruition. And this isn't just something we're making up. Mm-hmm. This is what the New Testament writers did. Yeah. And we are we are following in that long line of history. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, I what one thing that I really do 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 want to, to be a part of, just even as a not just as a, a pastor or even a lead minister, but just as a Christian, is but a church that recognizes the need for every age group to to recognize these things. So ordinarily, actually, some of these stories, you said you didn't know these stories, and some of these ones specifically, I, I know what you mean by that, but I would even say in some of these stories, we actually, it's what almost all the kids know about the Bible. They do know that Noah made an ark, and they do know that Abraham sac- almost sacrificed Isaac, or they do know some of these basic things, but they don't understand how they really fit together. And right. so even when you say you didn't know them, it's not like you didn't know that that Moses was the one that brought the people up out of right. Egypt, but what you didn't know about that story was, or right. that you, you knew that David was the first king, but right. what you didn't know was. Or like you didn't know about the importance of Jeroboam yeah. and Rehoboam, <laughs> right? Don't know the story of Malachi or Haggai yeah. Yeah. and some of these other kind of smaller, we would think smaller, lesser stories. And then we, what we tend to do, what the easiest route to do is to see the story of Rahab and be like, okay, well, we shouldn't be prostitutes, but we should help good people, right? Or, hey, <laughs> when we face- the purpose of Rahab. Right, when we yeah. face giants, we should conquer our fear with courage and knowing that Jesus is with us, okay? It's like, well, the morals of the story is only going to um, hurt our understanding of salvation. When we only preach morals of the stories of the Old Testament, what can happen is that we tend to not see the gospel. We see a salvation of ourself. And Tim Keller talks about this in his teaching of how to preach Christ in the Old Testament, that we as people for all of time have tended towards saving ourselves. Yeah. Whether that's doing things to save ourselves, or we are our own God yeah. and our own belief system is what saves us, yeah. right? And only the true gospel that like Jesus, God has done the work, that this is a plan yeah. from the beginning of time that has culminated in Christ. And only with that story and bringing out that gospel out of these stories can we truly understand salvation. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, I like how one of the favorite things that you just said that I, I think it'll be fun to, to kind of reiterate over and over and over again Um goes back to the very core of it's more than just a moralistic teaching. It's more than me conquering my fear. It's more mm-hmm. than me just believing in a better tomorrow. It's more than me, um, you know, trusting God in a generic sense. It's like I've, I've, I've been dealing with this a lot lately with people that I'm having conversations with where I'm in counseling pastoral situations and we're talking about how to trust God and how do you trust him? Well, you just, you know that a lion will never hurt you. Well, Okay, that was one example in which Daniel did that. But it really is that what is that is that what I'm supposed to draw from Daniel's story? Is that if I just get on my knees and pray right. that a lion will never eat yeah, me? Yeah, tell that to the Christians during Nero's reign. Yeah, right? I mean that's and and by the way, they they were drawing strength from Daniel's story and dying. Mm-hmm. And so there really is something more. You know, we've we've always felt this way. This is this is not something that even just affects our younger people as well. Like in our in our in, in children's church with Zane and what he's doing there. It's it's not just there. In in on Sunday morning, we can be prone to moralistic teaching. And again, we're not saying that the Bible doesn't have moral implications. It has some profound moral implications. But the stories of the Bible are not designed to try to give us ways to self-improve, ways to help. And so that's kind of what we usually do in Old Testament narratives, uh, where we don't see Jesus. We just look at David and, hey, here's some things where he messed up. Don't do that. Here's some things where he succeeded. Try doing that. <laughs> and that's really, that's, that's, uh, it's not that that's not true, 
but that that isn't the foundation. So Ryan, talk a little bit more about some of the dangers of moralistic preaching and the reason why you know this 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 model of seeing Christ and drawing him out why it is so valuable um, for for us as a church. Moralistic preaching often suffers from um, a lack of cultural understanding or historical understanding. And and so we look at David like he's just any old teenage boy fighting a bully. And it's okay. Yeah, but you do not like you do know that Goliath represents like the last lingering Canaanite tribe that Israel failed to purge. And that David is functioning as the by this point anointed king of Israel who was finally going to fulfill the the job that the Israelites and then Saul should have done. So this is this is not about you can just overpower somebody. This is that, like there's so much in the the moralistic stuff that I think is just lazy. Um and, and it's not on purpose. It's <laughs> Yeah, no, it's well-intended lazy. It's well-intended yeah. no, it. shallow reading. And and there's it's just don't complicate it, Ryan. I, like that that's what you and Justin are doing. Yeah, we're You're complicating it. it. And mm-hmm. if we just make it and we take it in its simplest form, sure. That's where it's purest and that's where it's most beautiful. Yeah. You're saying that's not true. Right. And I and I mean on the same note, I really appreciate that my pediatrician does not look at medicine for like the <laughs> easiest way to do it. Like he's okay with it being complicated and my kids are healthy as a result, right? Yeah. So we like complications, we just don't like it in this area. Yeah. And I and I just think that there's a little more rigor required to read the Old Testament and with training and repetition and you know a lifetime in the scriptures it just gets easier over time it gets more natural and then the moralistic stuff isn't your first um, instinct whenever you read say David and Goliath or Daniel and the lion's den it's more wow what are the the themes in here that tell me more about God and tell me more about the soon coming Messiah that's why I love Isaiah um, I jokingly refer to Isaiah as the fifth gospel because there's just so much in there about God's redemptive inclinations toward his people mm. and their wayward inclinations towards him. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, one of the things I'm really looking forward to in this series is in the gospel of the law and the land, we dealt with the Exodus account, which is, again, the, the primary um, historical event that the gospel writers lean on to talk about redemption in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yep. And and dovetailing with that Exodus account, the, the the themes that the New Testament draws redemptive ideas out of is the Babylonian exile, is the Assyrian conquest, and is God's faithfulness to both discipline and redeem and restore his people. And so the, that's why I'm going to really, really enjoy our time spent in the prophets. I think we're going to, it won't be historical drudgery, although if it feels like drudgery at times, I would, That's I would fault. plead. Well, no, I would just say like sometimes the good stuff is worth slugging through. Yeah, no, okay. Um, yeah, that's good. But I, I really do think that we'll, we'll end the series and go into our, our Christmas or Advent series with a bigger picture of the heart of God. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you know this, this series is designed to do is to help people truly have a bigger understanding of God. Justin, you've talked a number of times about the meta-narrative and understanding kind of how we fit into the, into the bottom of that. We've talked about moralistic teaching kind of leaving us somewhat flat or one-dimensionally dealing with the biblical text. Um, so talk a little bit more, um, either one of you, I'll, let, I'll just kind of throw this up and uh, one of you can grab it. Uh, I, want, you know, I want you to kind of think through what 
what, what does it mean to truly see, when we say Jesus, what we mean is God, right? We're talking about God's purpose. It's not, um, it, it, it's not this, this, this Jesus who is the man of the, the, the New Testament. It is truly the God-man of the New Testament. Therefore, it is, it is seeing God's robust energy and um, uh, plan being worked out in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in this troubled time of Israel's history. Mm-hmm. So why is that so critical, or how, how, how do you do that, either the why or the how? I'd love for you guys to spend a little bit of time just kind of running, running through that. Why is it so critical for us to see, or maybe better yet, like how, how is it, give me a, an example of maybe how to see what God is doing um, in those pages that, that kind of help us get the gospel aspect. Well, one why is Jesus said to do this, right? <laughs> Chapter 24 of Luke, yeah. where Jesus had resurrected and he comes back and he's like, hey guys, you're not seeing this. You obviously didn't get it when I told you about it during my ministry to you. And then I died and you guys all were like coward and ran away and you thought the whole thing was over. You didn't understand that the whole Old Testament, which you claim to know and understand well, was pointing toward my death. Yeah was pointing toward my resurrection. And now the Bible says, Luke 24 says that Jesus like walked them through the from the beginning to mm-hmm. show them how he was, he was the fulfillment of all that. He was the climax. This story is supposed to be what they have been waiting for and anticipating. And so part of the why is, well, we are to be people who obey the teachings of Jesus, just like he said in Matthew 28. Right. And so we are to reinterpret yeah. the Old Testament in light of who he is and what he has done. Mm-hmm. And it really does save us from having to become our own, what, what Keller talks about, our own functional savior. Mm-hmm. You know, saving myself by my courage, saving myself by me sticking with something, my own self-control or determination. Um, I can actually then surrender and fall into the story and realize that um, not, not only am I messed up and God loves me, but explain to me like why he loves me and that takes yeah. us back to the old testament and how he redeemed me and that takes us back and mm-hmm. so you know it's connecting those things Ryan well i, I want to draw attention to one of the words specifically that Justin used and that is reinterpreting the old testament and so one of the questions that many of us might have is um well were were the jews always missing it and when jesus comes along he finally explains it all and I really don't think that's the case. Now, there's obviously a number of people, and you really see a, a small swath of Judaism in the New Testament, that they are really misunderstanding what's going on. But there is both a, a, a understanding of the Old Testament as the Old Testament saints were able to do, and then there is something cataclysmic, apocalyptic, about the coming of Jesus that changes everything. And so when you look at Paul, Paul doesn't say, oh, now I understand the Old Testament. He'll say things along the lines of, now we interpret it differently. Jesus changes everything. Mm -hmm. And so he is the new interpretive key. And so Paul reinterprets the Old Testament in so many of his letters and says, this is how we now read Isaiah. I'm convinced you couldn't read Isaiah 53 and predict Jesus. When Jesus comes, he fulfills Isaiah 53, and now you can see it. It's yeah. almost like you you have to see the end of the movie before you can understand the first half completely. Yeah. You don't get where everything's going. Yeah. Um, and then lest you say, well, that just seems like an open system. Are we always, you know, prone to reinterpreting it when new information comes to light? The book of Hebrews says absolutely not. With Jesus, it's been locked down. This is the apex of 
God's revelation of himself finally and fully in the person of Jesus Christ. So we now have the interpretative key that we need for the whole of Scripture, and that's Jesus. And one of the things that makes me um, actually feel more comfortable about this, you know, I've, I've, I've dealt, I've, I, and I've wrestled with all of these different questions um, in terms of how do we do this? How do we, how do we interpret this and apply this accurately? How do we do it in a way that is consistent with the way that we look at other, either Bible books or Bible teachings? And the part that I love about this is it really does lift up Jesus to be the, the, the point Mm-hmm. Uh, not just our of 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 uh, our salvation, but the point of the Bible that we are, are are functionally using, and we're not just going back and we're trying to say, "Wow, David was a shepherd and Jesus was a shepherd too." So that's that's how that's really not what we're talking about, is it? Mm-hmm. We're not saying we're not drawing some some kind of interesting parallels, you know, yeah. uh, like some preachers do, and they say, you know, this is how Jesus is kind of like this. We're really not saying that. We're saying there are some some yeah. deeper issues. This Sunday we're going to be in 1 Samuel 8 and looking at Israel asking God for a king and realizing that God in the midst of this says, okay, you can have a king and here are the here are the parts of that what that king is going to do and giving the people over to their to their wants and to their wills um, and yet God does this not out of just sheer, well, I'm going to show you. He actually does it redemptively. Mm-hmm. And so as he says, you know, th- this is how a king is going to be. Um, and this is why I don't want you to necessarily have a king. I want you to recognize that I am your king. And then can you see where I'm going with this? Well, and I know you guys can. I mean, now all of a sudden God then steps back in to the story mm-hmm. um, in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone because he keeps pointing out, like, I am your king. I'm the one that's going to provide for you. I'm the one that's going to protect you. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And the people say, no, we want, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king like them. We want to save ourselves. We want someone that we can trust. Not you, God. We want someone we can trust. And God says, well, okay, this is how it's going to go, and this is how it's going to work. But then this is how I'm going to work, and this is how I'm going to redeem and restore. And all of these stories of the Old Testament really have a, a very similar motif. It's it's in, in in the essence we're not making anything up. We're not. I'm, I'm, Jim's not finding or whoever's preaching. We're not finding new cool uh, parallels. What right. we're actually saying is right. the story of our brokenness and God's determination for Him to be glorified in the end uh, through Jesus Christ is the story of the Bible, and we can see it in the Old Testament. Let's celebrate that together. Let's you know, kind of hold on to um, these deeper biblical truths, kind of getting a, a, a more robust uh, understanding of who God is. Justin, you want to say something? I can okay, tell. I have a question. Go. Are there any er- ways that we can read Jesus into the Old Testament that are inappropriate? Or is everything fair game in the Old Testament to just insert <laughs> Jesus into? Yeah, I, I, I don't... I, do, I think it is. I think it is. I think we can get it wrong, and I think certain ways that we get it wrong um, are by misapplying images and what we would call like typology, and where we see a type of and we kind of run it too far. And so I think that is where. Give we, us an example of that. Well, I think you know. I th- I th- for example, I'll give you a couple of examples. One of the ways in which I, I want we're, we're not really saying, although I don't know exactly who the fourth angel was in the book of Daniel, but some people look for Jesus. In, in that sense, literally, mm-hmm. um, they a- see angel of the Lord, an they, angel of the Lord yeah. uh, appearing to Abraham, and that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, this fourth angel, we we know that to be Jesus. And I would say, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, mm-hmm. when I get to heaven, I can't wait to find out if it is, but right. I'm not going, that, that's not really what we're doing. We're not looking for some kind of a mystical, spiritual presence mm-hmm. in which we, now oh, there's Jesus, that's him, that's right. what I'm talking about. It's it's that person there. It's it's really not that. And I think that kind of gets us into some, that gets us into some trouble or that gets us into some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing where it gets wrong is, um, in the same way that David slew the giant of Goliath, Jesus slays our giant. A lot of that methodology, I think, is fundamentally broken. Yeah, Jesus is never the underdog. By the way, <laughs> he's never the weak guy in the story. <laughs> he's never the yeah. He's never the guy. Oh, I've been working really, really hard yeah. at this, and but now David I hope was it the shepherd, and Jesus is the sh- okay. Jesus is never the metaphor. If you're ever he's sh- always the real thing. Yes. <laughs> if you're ever struggling with this, please read Revelation. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. Exactly. Cage fighter Jesus. Gosh. So that's so that's where I think we can actually get it wrong and have gotten it wrong is that we we look at these examples and we see them, and and I think what can what can ultimately happen too um, as another problem is not only do we then have to become our own saviors and do we have to um, but we also get we also get roped into some kind of belief that maybe the Old Testament isn't historically accurate or valid or, or even important in that matter and so if all of this is all of this a fable um, is all of this kind of like wishful wishful thinking or metaphor, and I, I I do believe we lose a lot when we treat history as metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, then all of a sudden, you you are reduced to the fact that we need a savior. And so I, I see that happen quite a bit too. Is that when we when we are lazy, uh, unintentionally lazy in applying some of these stories, that's where you you end up with moralistic teaching, which mm-hmm. then under uh, undermines not undergirds undermines mm-hmm. uh, what what God is actually trying to do. Can I put forth a theory and see what you guys think? Boom. Okay. Bring it. I wonder if one of the reasons that... I think that's crazy. Well, I'm okay. going to move oh, forward. Oh, I'm okay. going to let you finish. Okay. Sorry. I got excited. Whew. Okay. <laughs> this is really a hostile work environment today. Um, it's not the first day. <laughs> it's just Thursday. Um, I wonder if one of the reasons that we don't naturally... Um, read a more Christological perspective into the Old Testament, or if we, and when we do, we tend to do it in a little bit of an inappropriate way, finding Jesus under every single rock. I wonder if this is a symptom of um, a weak theology around the Trinity. If we, Mm -hmm. we have a hard time finding Jesus in the Old Testament because we think accidentally or very subconsciously that he's different than God, that he's something else. And, and I have in mind the book, The Knowledge of the Holy, that we've read a lot this sure, summer sure. Um, with a bunch of guys in these Bible studies. And, and I just, there's so much, I mean, that, that book really focuses in on God proper. It's not, it's not really splitting it into the three persons of the Trinity. It's thinking of kind of the, the unity of God. And it goes over all of these wonderful qualities about God. And, and they hold true for God in the Old Testament as he is working with Israel. And they hold true for God as he incarnates as Jesus in the New Testament. And I wonder if we, 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 it's, it's more natural for us to separate the New and the Old Testaments because our triune thinking is underdeveloped. I would agree in the sense that it's hard for us to comprehend this, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around one God existing in three persons, no matter how many times we say it, no matter how many ways we read it. Yeah, or describe it's just, it. It's so much easier for me to think of Jim, Ryan, Justin, three <laughs> people who are different people. Yeah. Who, yeah, we're part of the body of Christ together, but 
Like we are different entities yeah. of our, in and of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so that's just, we, it's just... We a, overemphasize the distinctions in the Godhead and we, we undersell the unity. Yeah. So no doubt we have to understand the Trinity better. And mm-hmm. if you want to come learn School of Discipleship on Monday night, <laughs> School, School of Theology, of theology Trinity, taught by Ryan Vincent, um, we'll that would be great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we obviously have to have a better understanding of God in his fullness and his triune nature in order to better understand Jesus, in order to better understand the Old Testament, yeah. in order to better understand the overarching story of the Bible, for sure. And, you know, I would say that, yes, we, we, it, is, it is a flaw of that. And it is even doing the hard work of figuring out where that where that plays out, and, mm-hmm. and we could easily quickly say it plays out everywhere. Um, but asking the question: Is God the rock, or is God under the rock? You know, like so. Some some methodology was trying to find Jesus under every rock, yep. and some is to recognize no that, that Jesus is every rock. Yeah. Um, and and what we're actually trying to say is that it's it's more complicated than that, and that this kind of draws us back into. Uh, just God's God, God proper, God's mm-hmm. sovereign plan, God's universal goal, which is to glorify himself. And he does that triunely, mm-hmm. right? There's a triune way in which God not only exists, but even even glorifies himself. And therefore it keeps coming back to it, which holds us back to one of our major premises. And one of the reasons why this series can be so critical is to unite the Old and New Testament. So you don't have there's this God of the Old Testament who is very angry and very mad and kind of set rules for people that he knew they couldn't make. And then finally, you've got this Jesus who comes in, mm-hmm. um, who is also God. And so the Jesus God is kind of working against the God God or the Father God <laughs> and trying to tell him to chill out and to yeah. to move from a from a plan of works to a plan of mm-hmm. grace, move from a plan of, of, of righteous frustration mm-hmm. to loving compassion. And that is not scriptural. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that we are doing by this series is in a in a in a triune way, we are uniting God's purposes and even the the the, the purposes of of Father, Son, and Spirit working in unison. We're underlying that and seeing that and celebrating that mm-hmm. as 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 his people. So. so 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 I was just thinking that, you know, as we're going into this series, it's important for us to remember like a verse like Hebrews 1 through 3. So long Mm -hmm. ago and at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, the time that we're in now, like these last Mm -hmm. days, which Jesus ushered in, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Mm-hmm. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that. It's it's uh, what Paul does, whether it's uh, in uh, Philippians 2 or in, in Colossians 1. Um, there really is this embodiment or what Paul or what G, uh, John does in Revelation, where you see in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus being described using much of the imagery from Isaiah and Daniel and stuff. So it, it really does. It holds us together. And Jesus is the final word. Um, but this isn't in, this isn't over against. One of the things um, with, with, with some of my conversations with Muslim people uh, of the Muslim faith recently, uh, I love to remind them that Jesus doesn't erase the Old Testament. He doesn't come along much like, like Islam does and says, you know, um, I've got a new revelation from God and, and that which you have heard is wrong. Jesus himself does not say that. Right. He draw like you said in the in the Luke twenty four text. He is drawing us back in and saying, "I need you 
to look at this through me. And that's the reinterpretation piece. That's what this series is designed to do. Um, so we pray that you are uh, strengthened, that you are encouraged with the truth about God's plan. Or our, our prayer for this series is that we, as the, as the people of God, have a more robust appreciation and understanding, not just of the Old Testament, but of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is, we think we can do that with the Old Testament because that's what God intended in the first place. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not magicians. We're not pulling Jesus out of little you know Old Testament you know rabbit hats, so to speak. We're not pulling him out like that. We're actually recognizing that he's always been there. So this isn't magic. This isn't sleight of hand. Hopefully, this is accurate, God honoring biblical study and then application of him. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing. Uh, so if you want to come be a part of that. We hope that you're obviously going to be there. If you have any questions in terms of not just what we're saying, but how we got to where we're saying it, we would love, we, we really want to encourage you to, to ask um, any of the three of us or anybody on staff. Uh, we're going through a book right now called Preaching Christ from the Old Testament, which actually is a little bit of a, uh, the subtitle is A Contemporary Hermeneutical Method. And so some people, is that like a textbook? And the answer is yes, but sometimes we need that, obviously. And so we're going through this as a staff, and uh, it's going to be helping us in the process. But we would love to encourage you to be a part of this at any uh, degree that we can help you have a better understanding and response to who God is through Jesus Christ. So thanks for uh, joining us for this session of Consider This, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time.